0: Hi, this is Bill Walton, and you're listening to The Bill Walton Show, and I'm here with my friend and frequent guest, Brian McNichol. Brian's a veteran newspaper reporter and editor who grew up in the sports department of a daily newspaper, which is a great attribute for any writer, I think. Uh, Went to work on Capitol Hill and worked in a variety of D.C. policy organizations, including the Heritage Foundation and the Competitive Enterprise Institute, He's an independent writer now who grew up in Louisiana and lives in Virginia. And Brian has also written and thought extensively about the United States Postal Service, uh, which is much in the news. Uh, It's become a political pinata with most recently Nancy Pelosi accusing uh, Trump of destroying the post office because they're going around collecting old obsolete mailboxes and... uh, uh, that's just the latest in the long story of post office stories, Brian. Where where are we here? What what is this about? So the
1: the um, Democrats want to have a mail in election. They want to put in put mail in voting uh, in in states that don't already have it. So you know there are some states that do it now and they do it efficiently and they know how to do it and it's not a big problem. Um, but but states that don't have it. You know you what happens in the mail-in you know first thing is to set this up the difference between mail-in and absentee voting because one of the big talking points is hey trump mails in his vote No, trump votes absentee in absentee you contact your registrar and you say you know I, I can't be there for the election send me a ballot so the registrar makes sure you're registered they send you one ballot in mail-in voting they mail out the ballots to to the voting list, which we all know voting lists are not. The hygiene on those are terrible. No one knows who's on it or who who should be on it and so forth. Like I regularly get mail for the last five or six people who lived in this house, right? We used to also get, there was one of them, I guess, didn't pay her, pay her bills and we used to get these Dunning notices and the sheriff, you know, stuff taped to the door and so forth. So you know they don't really know where we all are. They shouldn't. The government doesn't need to are these, ball-
0: are these ballots mailed to people or are they mailed to houses? Is it they're
1: mailed. They're mailed to people, but the yeah. but the lists are not current. So there's no telling how many people with my address here in Reston are signed up to vote.
0: Well, who who decides whether this is going to be a mail-in election? Uh, you know, absentee ballots have been used for years and years and years. You know the U.S. military, uh, a lot of people living overseas and traveling have used them, and it's a very, uh, it's a very well defined process and, and and relatively free from fraud. Yet, as you point out, mail-in ballots are vastly not free from fraud. But but who decides? Is it the Federal Election Commission? Is it's, it's it state
1: uh, election law? How elections are administered is state law.
0: But if you're in Colorado, for example, and you decide you want to do mail-in and you're next door in, uh, I don't know what's next door, Montana, I suppose. I think that's north of it. Uh, and they, wanted, they don't want to allow it. And yet you get a federal election, Trump v. Biden. Does that mean you'd have in some states mail-in and some states uh, no mail-in?
1: Right, well, there's already seven states that do only mail-in voting. And, and they absolutely should keep doing that. You know. If you have your system set up, then you're in good shape. But if you're trying to, like, you go into a place like Illinois you know, and stand this up 70 days before an election, just dramatically change how people vote, there's no way that that's going to be, you know.
0: Uh, I didn't realize the that there's, there's seven states that already have only mail-in. They have no in-person uh, blocking pol- local polling places. Right. Uh, what are some of those states?
1: Colorado is one um, Utah <laughs> okay. I just Washington, got lucky on Michigan. that
0: one yeah so so that's already happening and it's not not a problem now so let's circle back to the post office and the, what's going on with that you've written for written about the post office for almost 15 years and it's been losing money that whole time. Um, what, fifty, sixty billion dollars over the last fifteen years, and right. it's okay. on track. It's on track this year, I, I believe, to lose about ten billion dollars. And the statistics for their services are, you know, it's hardly a growth business. The number of first class uh, uh, letters have dropped by almost forty percent in the last decade, and and uh, the only place where they really ha- can make money is on that first class, uh, delivery service. Uh, even, even though that's shrinking and then theoretically they could make money on package delivery. Tell, tell me, tell me about the economics of the post office.
1: Okay. So the post office, there are, uh, they have a monopoly on two things. Um, only the post office can put something in your mailbox and only the post office can handle first class mail. So for those things, The first-class mail is its most profitable product, like you said. You know, the internet kind of crushed first-class mail. We pay our bills online. All the things that went through the mail don't go there. We're talking about wedding wedding
0: invitations are all now Evite, and that. Right.
1: Yeah, my kids are. They've had about ten pieces of mail in their life, right? Um, (laughs) You know, no one (laughs) uses it. But package uh, package volume has gone up the post office is trying to capture this since they have this big that last mile network right the, they have they hit 160 million addresses a day and they're the only ones who can do that and they're the only ones who can make some of the delivery so they have they sort of have the uh, other people kind of by the tail a little bit the other delivery people so what they can do so what they're trying to do is make profit off of that and to shore up the rest of it They don't know how to price it, since they're they're, you know, weighing between things they have a monopoly on and things they don't have a monopoly on, such as package delivery. uh, They they jumble those costs and don't assess them properly. It's kind of a uh, it's a unique situation. It's not I don't know that it goes on anywhere else in business.
0: Well, in business, you underprice stuff. I unfortunately, well, fortunately, maybe I, I worked my way through business school teaching accounting. And there's there's generally accepted accounting principles, but principles. But there's also uh, cost accounting, which is where you'd be you're careful about allocating your overhead to different kinds of products. And as I understand it, the Postal Service allocates about five percent of their overhead to package delivery, and yet it now and that was said years and years and years ago. But now package delivery is 25 percent of their volume, but they're still allocating only five percent of their overhead, which means they're, mat- they're missing billions and billions of dollars of costs in their, uh, in their pricing calculation.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right, and you know, like for instance, they've had to buy a whole new fleet of trucks that are better suited to carry packages, right? All the little, the little gromman delivery vehicles that they've used for 30 years now, they're having to go through and systematically replace them all. That's a, like a $60 billion expense. And it's all to support the package side of the business.
0: Well, how's the Postal Postal Service been losing money, and yet people say it's a separate corporation. How have they been funding or financing those losses for the last uh, 15 or 20 years?
1: Well, they had a $15 billion line of credit uh, back in about 2008. They got a $10 billion line Line of of credit. Line of
0: credit from who? The Treasury, the Fed?
1: From the the Treasury. Okay. Um, From uh, the... uh, the first coronavirus relief bill, they got a ten billion dollar loan guarantee. Um, uh, beyond that, they have cut services. You know, they used to be in like department stores and uh, you know walk-up things. They cut out all that. Uh, they've cut some. You know, employees. They've gone from union full employees to these carrier city carrier people. They 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 call them where you know your only job is handling Amazon packages. They're non-union, they make about eight or 10 bucks an hour. Um, so that's part of it. The, the um, labor costs of the post office are a third higher than FedEx, UPS, those guys. So you know, that's another thing they're battling is you, know, you have a union basically undermining any chance of profitability and they've sort of got you over a barrel.
0: Well, Romina Baccia, Heritage, uh, written about this and she thinks labor costs are the big problem. Sounds like yeah. they are a big problem.
1: They are a big problem.
0: But how do you have, you know, the postal, you know, with all this uh, uh, uproar, C- Pelosi and Schumer claiming fraud, and they're claiming that the, Trump's interference with the post office is just like the Russian interference with the election, uh, sounds familiar. Uh, <laughs> the
1: latest. Uh, but,
0: but, the, but the postal, postal workers union just endorsed Biden. What, what are the politics there? Well, there's, there's two
1: postal unions, and they both endorse Biden. And the most recent one, the American Postal Workers Union, uh, I mean, the statement they gave was really harsh and tough on Trump. And so, you know, I was going to ask my friends on the other side of the aisle, if those two unions had come out for Trump, would you be pushing for mail-in elections? If they'd come out that stridently on the other side, would you be for this? Because I don't think they would. Because I don't understand how you would trust, you know, the election to be in the hands of people who are, Publicly denounced you in this way.
0: Well, yeah, I th- big, big factor. I mean, I don't think we think the postal workers would be complicit in this if there is a problem with mail in I maybe well, they I have know. been. They've had. They been. Been some what do Where they they find postal I'm, workers? I still find myself naive uh, on <laughs> one. Dumping
1: things. ballots. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so how so? What, what
0: what are the examples of some of the ways that it's that it's been um, abused?
1: Well, like they found 120,000 ballots in trash cans in a dumpster in Nevada.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, they find, you know, ballots dropped off that, are, that haven't been made out or ballots not delivered. There's been like seven or eight cases already made against postal workers for you know, cheating in elections on behalf of Democrat candidates.
0: What about the, ba- the battleground states? How many of them are mail-in mail and how many of them are in person?
1: Well, Colorado is a battleground state. That's
0: a mail-in. Um, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, those are not, North Carolina. Pennsylvania is trying Florida. to do something. Okay, but the, the fight's going to be at the, at, at the state level as to, as to whether this happens. Right. And how, what are the odds now? How is that shaping up? Is this, a once again, a partisan thing where you got the democrat a, a Democrat-controlled legislature would be pushing for it, and therefore it might happen?
1: Well, in Nevada, the they kind of snuck into town and passed a law about this, and to to make Nevada mail-in state. You know what could go wrong, right? Um, and the the Justice Department has our election people have sued to stop it from taking over in this way. And I'm watching that suit because if they if they get an injunction, you know that's the send a signal to a lot of other states not to try it. I don't I didn't think they have. You know, I, I don't trust this. And I don't think that, I think there's a, I think the polling is about 60% of the people are skeptical of the integrity of mail elections. And I think that's something you're going to have to think about.
0: So coming back to the, is there any other aspect of the mail in that we haven't talked about that you worry about? Is it, uh, um, I'm trying to think about.
1: Uh... Well, I mean, you're talking about, you know, bundling gets to be a big deal here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they call ballot harvesting, where oh, your your ballot might not make it. We'll come pick up your ballot and take care of it for you. You know that that supposedly turned four congressional elections in California in 2018. How and does bund- four how do, Republicans how do, who lost?
0: How does bundling work?
1: So uh, you know, I go pick up. You, know, you don't have to mail your ballot. I'll go all through my neighborhood, knock on your door, you give me your ballot, I'll take it down there and deliver it for you. Okay. So, you know, if you haven't marked it, hey, I can mark it for you, you know. So you know, it's that kind of thing. You're picking up people's ballots, you're dropping off bundles of ballots.
0: Well, this sounds like a terrible idea. Uh yeah. So so the the let's let's talk about a bit about Jeff Bezos, Amazon and U.S. Postal Service's cost and deliver package delivery. Tell, what, uh, tell me about that relationship and how did that how did that come about?
1: So when the the Postal Service was really trying to grow the package business to make up for the loss of uh, the money to uh, for for regular mail, first class mail, and so forth, um, they were they were kind of vulnerable. They were kind of begging for business. So he went in and made a deal with them: deliver Amazon packages will give you a huge volume, and it's a huge volume, um, and the t- they deliver, still deliver about three-fourths of Am- Amazon's packages, <clears throat> but then they charge them $2, and it costs about <clears throat> three and a half for the post office to deliver it, so that, you know, every time that someone sends an a- uh, Amazon package, you put a little dent in the post office bottom line.
0: And even that understates mm-hmm. the real cost. Cause you're saying the, that extra of 6, dollar 60 cents or something like that, doesn't that, that doesn't even include all the overhead that ought to be calculated.
1: Right. That's a, you know, as they calculate it now, which so is it's not probably, it's probably closer
0: on. to cost. It should cost five bucks and Amazon's paying two. Right. So Jeff Bezos owns Amazon. He also owns this newspaper. What do they call it here in Washington? I think they call it the Washington Post. Yeah, that's right. We're talking about a highly partisan, uh, highly partisan paper. Uh, right. It's just, I get the I get a news feed for the headlines and it's just one thing after another. I mean, you know, Trump is killing babies. Trump is getting us into war. Trump's not going to war. Trump is Trump Trump, you know, and now this thing with the post office. Are the Democrats protecting the relationship uh, that Amazon has with uh, with the U.S. Postal Service.
1: That's a big part of what's going on. He's also donating millions and millions of dollars to Democrat PACs. So he's a bi- he's a big player in politics. Aside from owning owning the Washington Post.
0: So does this have traction? I mean, do you, where, where, where do you see this going? It's, we're now it's in August, almost September, and we're we've got election coming up in seventy five days or so, and. What do you think is going to happen between now and election day?
1: I don't think states can stand up mail in ballot systems between now and November. And I think that some are going to try, like in Pennsylvania, is trying. And, uh, you know, they sent some like sample ballots and it hasn't worked out. They haven't arrived on time. They try to send them back, they don't arrive back on time. Uh, The post office sent a letter to, I think, 26 states the other day, one of those, one of which was Pennsylvania, saying, as we understand your election laws we can't guarantee you that we can get those things to get those ballots out to the people and then back in to the to the election officials in time so you know you either got to change the laws or change the procedures or do something to give us a better chance you know it's not a matter of capacity the postal you know the new postal postmaster general says they have plenty of capacity uh, this business about the mailboxes they're not taking mailboxes off the street to thwart the election that you know there's a lot of uh vandalism with those mailboxes a lot of people there's worry they put bombs in them there's where they hide weapons in them uh, and they pick f- people have figured out how to stick a rope down and pull stuff back out of them so that's why the mailboxes are coming off the street and that's a long-standing thing that was going on long before any
0: of this well there are lots of visuals now of, of postal services flatbed trucks with mailboxes on them and that's supposed to be trump ripping up mailboxes to keep people from voting, but it turns out that there were some 14,000 mailboxes were removed during Obama's presidency.
1: Right. I mean, the post office is getting those things off the street. They're making you come to them. It's, it's a lot cheaper and, you know, it, it's a lot more efficient. And people who have to mail, I mean, if you got to go somewhere to, to mail something, you know, does it matter if it's the box out on the street or the, the post office a block away? Not really.
0: What do we have? Something like all right? Don't we have something like 160,000 post offices all over the country? Yes. So we're talking, you know, 10% or less, and 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 so many of them were not being used. Right. So if you're never
1: going to shut them, I mean, you know, that that that's not really the place to look for it because people do rely on it. People look at it as kind of a community center, place to meet people. A lot of times they're within stores and so forth. And so, you know, there's not any extra space needed for it. Their real estate costs are low. Um, And, you know, when you start running that at Congress, that's one thing that bipartisan poison, you know, there people do not want the post offices closed and um, the political pressure will never ease off of that. You know, that that that's not where to look for savings because it's not going to happen.
0: Well, I live in a small town in Virginia, in Rappahannock County, little Washington, and we lost our post office because of a lease and the, the powers that be in DC somehow thought we didn't need a post office. Well, we're the county seat. We're also, I think it, the claim is that Washington, George Washington surveyed our town 250 years ago when he was a surveyor. So there's a lot of historical uh, connection here. It's also a community center and so yeah. we, through through a lot of hard work and, and we're now going to get our post office back, but it was clear they really didn't want to, they didn't really want to replace it. And, you know, I think in all these areas in our county, we've got, I don't know how many different post offices, six or seven, and they're pretty vital. I mean, you know, people show up, you chat, it's it's all part of maintaining community. And, and some people believe that the, uh, pulling up all the local post offices is another way to get at civil society, which is they don't want people convening informally. And I'm going straight into some of the darker sides of this conspiracy, but and yeah, you're in the, the,
1: that's the most rural County in Virginia, right? R- Rappahannock?
0: We're the second least densely populated County in the, in the state. And the, um, the next one is a coal mine, County down in south south southeastern Pennsylvania, uh, yeah. So it, we're, we don't have a lot of people. We don't even have a stoplight. So you know, if we don't have a post office, we don't have much to do here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, here
0: so uh, so so the view is we'll probably keep the post office. They're going to disappear slowly. But the United States Postal Service has got to figure out its cost. We've got a new postmaster. I don't know if it's postmaster general or what the yes. title is, but w- what's his background?
1: So he's a, he owned a logistics company and he is, so, you know, his thing has been, you know, high speed, high value mail processing. He's been in this business for a long time. So what he's done that has the Democrats spun up is he's saying they were spending $250 million a year on what they call extra trips So the carrier is supposed to leave at nine to go do his route, okay? He leaves at nine. The mail that hasn't been processed by nine, you know, is there on the floor of the uh, post office. He goes back, he gets that, he makes a second delivery. But this, what uh, what the new Postmaster General is saying, you know, which is the private industry standard, is uh, put all that mail in his bag at nine o'clock. When he leaves at nine, he needs to have what he needs for the day. Because we don't want to make second trips, we don't want to pay overtime, we don't want to buy all that fuel, you know. And they're looking at this as a, when fully implemented, a half a billion dollar savings just making them do stuff on time, just to, you know, just making them honor the schedules they set out. So what had happened is, you know, it's a it's a union workforce, it's a pro Democrat administration of the Postal Service. And they've sort of waived the rules when they needed to and not, not made people do things on time.
0: So, people have been complaining about the post office inefficiencies for decade after decade after decade. Right. And we finally get a CEO in there who's doing the right things to, uh, to, to right size its cost and efficiencies and delivery schedules. And he's become um, a, a demon because of that. Right. Now, I think it also is, you know, we need to point out he's a Trump donor.
1: Right. That's right. About $2.5 million. And he was running the Charlotte Convention. He was putting that together before you mm-hmm. know, he got moved to Jacksonville and then ultimately canceled.
0: And the Democrats have all got a bill, I believe, that says that they're not allowed to make any change to the post office, or they're supposed to roll the clock back to January 1st, 2020. So everything he's done, they want to unwind. Right.
1: Turtle will handle. Uh, you know, McConnell's not going to take that bill
0: up. Okay, well, it's one of the many, one of the many bad ideas that I just. It just. It's. It's amazing, Brian. You know, I've talked about this a lot. Everything has become political. I mean, right. the, the post office is now political. Sports is political. Music's political. Everything's political. And this is just the latest, uh, the latest piñata. Uh, and I understand that he was appointed. Not, Trump didn't appoint him directly. He was elected by the uh, Postal the Board of Governors. Yes. Of course, he probably helped helped influence that bo- vote. But nevertheless, it's, a lot of people thought it was a good idea. Um, the,
1: uh, and the And and the, the, they're asking for this bailout money. That's what it is. They call it other names, but that's what it is. But they've been asking for the bailout money for four or five years, and they've been moving back the date strategically saying, if you don't give it to us by, you know, last September, the postmaster general then said, if you don't give it to us by uh, February, we'll be out of money. So, I mean, there've been this, you know, if you don't give it to us, we'll have to close threat has been over the post office head for five years now.
0: Well, and the the postal service also has not been funding its pension plan, has it?
1: Right, It hasn't made a, pe- a payment into the pension plan since 2011. So they complain about, oh, it's a, it's the prefunding requirement. In 2008, Congress changed the way the Post Office was governed, and they said it had to prefund all its benefits. Now, you know, FedEx and UPS are pay- paying benefits too, right? It's not like the Postal Service is the only one paying benefits. In 2011, they just stopped paying it, and it would not make them. You know, so people act like, well, if you take that requirement off, they would be profitable. Their expenses are, are you know, higher than their revenues. I mean, they would have lost money without any, and they haven't paid for any. They have about $160 billion uh, problem now with regard to retire uh, pensions and retiree health benefits.
0: So if you wanted to fix the post office uh, as a CEO, you first would do, I expect, with what's his name, Lewis? Lewis? Uh... DeJoy. Louis DeJoy. He's probably saying, okay, I want to know, I, I want to do a rigorous analysis of our cost structure. And I guess Congress asked his predecessor for that a couple of years ago and she failed to produce it. And correct. As you point out, now it looks like she won't have an opportunity to do that because <laughs> she's right. out of the job. <laughs> she's out of the job. So you want to do a rigorous breakdown of the of the cost structure. And what are the major lines of business the post office is in?
1: So it's first-class mail, it's marketing mail, uh, it's packages, money orders. Um, There's not much more to it than that. So, so,
0: okay, that's pretty simple then. So what you then want to do is allocate your real cost to those and then price it accordingly. Correct. And you want to basically go after the package delivery business because that's the one that's growing. Right. But you go straight at Amazon if you do that. And probably... (laughs) And probably, if you uh, if you cost that uh, if you cost it properly, plus a profit margin, you're going to be charging Amazon maybe six dollars a package instead of instead of two. You know,
1: it may not even be that much because you have some efficiencies, right? You have a huge delivery network and all that, so you you have some competitive advantages even in their competitive lines. Plus, they also make a lot of money since they're the only ones who can put it in a in a mailbox, they make money doing the last mile deliveries for FedEx and UPS.
0: So if we wanted to fix the post office, we would do this cost analysis, we price the package delivery, um, we change expectations about what people want, would going to five day delivery would eliminating Saturday for postal operations? I mean, I wish they wouldn't, I like Saturday, but is that something that's on the table? He uh,
1: he had his first quarterly call the other day where he talks about the earnings situation and he said no he said he was not he said they were they were prepared to meet the uh, the universal service obligation six days a week every address in the country
0: so that's that you got to like that now do you change the cost of first class mail or the price? Well,
1: we have it's talk? already their most popular. Uh, profitable thing. And I I think that you, you've chased away enough customers already. You may have to stick with what you have.
0: And then how about the post offices? Can we keep, uh, can we keep, when we keep, can I keep my little post office in little Washington? Uh, We don't, don't, we don't don't take up much space and the budget's not very big. And we've got an awfully sweet uh, (laughs) postmaster, Tina. I'd hate to lose Tina.
1: Right. I don't I don't see that happening. I see them moving against that because that is one thing that nobody wins votes by making by closing post offices.
0: And then I've got a final question just to circle back to the voter issue. Do you think that if we uh, I, I, my belief is that the post office itself could handle mail-in ballots. It's not a he question of the post office dumping stuff. I mean, there may be some occasions in the Las Vegas, maybe, but generally speaking, but the post office has the capacity to handle this. Is that is that correct? That's correct. He said that on
1: the quarterly call. We're absolutely ready if every state in the country went mail-in voting. Uh,
0: well, then, so okay, so let's let's you and me get to Lewis and say, we agree with your CEO turnaround plan, Lewis, we're for you, but let's go. We got to, we got to start. Job one is, is Amazon. That's right.
1: And, and the other, that's not the only contract they have like that.
0: Okay. Yeah, well, that all the other package delivery contracts. Yeah. Right. I, I bet he understands that given his background. Yeah. Uh, okay. Final thoughts. Cause we're, we're wrapping up here. We're, we're, I think next week we're going to talk about football, which is uh Going to be fun. You're fired uh, up for
1: that. Final <laughs> thoughts is uh, this is not uh, the the post office. We don't need the post office to have an election. If you can riot, you could go to the polls and vote. Okay. So when they say, "Oh, we can't have the election because of the post office," that's not true. We most of these states have not even moved to, if, if, you know, implement a, post, a mail-in voting system. So you know, it's a it's a whole bunch of, of hot water about absolutely nothing.
0: Well, okay, I, I think that sums it up. I, I, uh, you've been listening to The Bill Walton Show, and I've been here with Brian, my friend Brian McNichol and colleague and continuing guest, and we've been talking about the United States Postal Service. It is fixable, and I do think we can have an election uh, uh, as, as planned. Uh, stay tuned. We've, we've got an upcoming episode. We're not sure when it will come out, but we want to talk about college football and football generally in America, in the the fall season of 2020. And what I want to get into with Brian, because he's a political maven, is how canceling Big Ten football, which is where I got to watch a lot of football, might affect the election.
1: Yeah, it could.
0: Okay, so anyway, thanks, Brian. We'll talk talk next week. All right.
1: Thanks for listening. Want more? Be sure to subscribe at TheBillWaltonshow.com or on iTunes.